I will take that over ukulele uh, concerts any day. For some reason, people decided children need to start playing ukulele. And I mean, like at at the best, like people that ostensibly know how to play ukulele, it's still intolerable. But when you get children that have no talent uh, of any kind, and I'm speaking of my own child here included. Man, we're getting, we're getting <laughs> bombed in the background by kids already. So, Ryan, Which, yeah. you have a podcast of Summer Down. Uh, some of that sentence is true. Not all of it. <laughs> and 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 to be fair to you, uh, you know, in the tradition of you are you are now the biggest guest we've ever had on the podcast. OK. And to that no end, I'm immediately going to neg you and say that next week's guest is the chairman of Time magazine and CEO of Salesforce. Yeah, that's so, that's that's extremely. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so what, whatever you are feeling right now, like what, you know, it's, this is the Andrew Tate me- method of podcasting where I'm immediately going to take you down a notch and make you more approachable to soften you up for Bo it's, to ask you fan it wor- questions. It works. It works. I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, uh, I am, I am Sam Bowie going first in the Michael Jordan drafts and it's like, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares years later. I, I just love the <laughs> Michael Jordan coming back to his high school and, you know, you're, you're there and you're like, oh, man, Michael remembered me. I can't believe it. And it's like he just gets up there. And it's like you picked him over me. You picked this guy. You picked this guy. And like like Michael Jordan, like one of the greatest athletes to ever walk the face of the earth. He, and he know, still has a chip on his shoulder about that. He doesn't he doesn't bring that up about Hakeem. Like Hakeem, I think he's like, OK, I get it. Like, I, I, I think I'm better than Hakeem, <laughs> but I recognize that Hakeem is awesome. Like we don't he doesn't go. He doesn't go fully for Hakeem in that scenario for whatever reason. So I dropped sports anecdotes early because Bo's going to pick up the rest of the slack. But uh, I am Zach. (laughs) I host this humble show. Bo is a friend. Bo is also a data nerd and way more of a sports nerd than I am. We make data visualizations for fun, like sick people. And we're heading to a data conference in a week and a half. So our our desks and workspaces are covered in swag and custom T-shirts right now. As they should be. Yeah, that's right. No, we really, uh, we've really embraced kind of the the joy of attempting to give free stuff away at a conference, and then like maybe people will want to come to your presentation. I've been uh, relentlessly hyping that I have, I have T-shirts, I have prints. Like, just come, please ask me a question. You can have free stuff. Like, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll hopefully do something. We'll see. We'll so see. this is the but... in in the email you guys mentioned. This is the Tableau conference. That is that correct, sir. Yep. Yep. All right, here's yeah. my first question because I'm I'm just going to hijack this briefly. Within the data viz community, are there like is it mostly a like hey, we're all here and we're all happy to be here, we're all, you know, like mostly copacetic or are there clicks? Are there circles? Are there like little <laughs> little groups that have friction and tension with one another? Okay, this yes. is an amazing question, actually, and uh, I probably don't even need to ask anything for like the next hour because we can probably just like keep keep going on this. But okay, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> so I'll say that like so 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 Zach and I have both been doing this for a while. I've been I've I've been going to the Tableau conferences since like 2015 or something. So you know, kind of a veteran at this point. But uh, when when you first show up, the whole thing is like. Can be it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, it's uh, I think you know a lot of us kind of come out of academia and you know we're used to like academic conferences where everybody's posturing and like they're gonna read your name tag to decide if it's even worth talking to you yeah. and then yeah. like 
you go to a data conference, you maybe expect that's going to happen. But like I show up to my first Tableau conference and like there's like a massive spread of voodoo donuts and an open bar and there's live music everywhere. And so like <laughs> the Tableau community is very much like, hey, we're all here. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a great, you know, we're going to have a great time. Like everybody's going to be welcoming. It's uh, it's it's. It's one of these things where they actually started like like Tableau as a company actually had to do like some public counter marketing to like get employers to still pay to send people to this conference because uh, there was just kind of this narrative that like everybody just goes to this data conference and just parties for four days. <laughs> um, so like uh, <laughs> which is like partly true, but like in the middle, there's actually a bunch of like really helpful trainings and sessions and and, and stuff like that. But uh, uh, yeah, no, it's a. Uh, um, I would say our community is 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 tight. I would uh, I would speak very highly of, um, you know, kind of some of the social circles that, um, you know, kind of are, are associated with what we do. Um, but absolutely, there are clicks. <laughs> like, absolutely, there are uh, there are uh, you know there are celebrities. There are, there are heroes and villains. Like 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 anything, you know, it it starts to it starts to take on a life of its own. And 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 yeah, you know, I'll I'll. Maybe I'll leave it to Zach to drop some specific names. I don't know if we want to like get <laughs> get into it too heavily, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, um, you know, I would say uh, I'd like to think I'm a kind person. I've known Zach to be a very kind and welcoming person, and you know, we we both do our best to kind of you know welcome people into the community, make friends, you know, build positive social circles. But oh yeah, there are there there are rivalries and there there are controversies, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's pretty niche, but uh, it, it happens. <laughs> I mean, in any group of any reasonable size, you're going to start to have conflicting personalities. We're really fortunate. Like most people kind of see it, uh, you know, it, it's not a zero sum game. So like if Bo wins, I didn't lose, you know. So, right, right. you know, Bo got a great job at Apple. I got a great job at JLL. Um, you know, we both came from different places before that, but we both did a lot of public work that sort of showed, you know, what we were into, what Your we could do. And, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like we both found ways to do that that were engaging and fun to us. Like we both like doing movie stuff a lot. Bo likes doing sports stuff. I do like comics and video games. So all sorts of stuff that like we found to be engaging. Now, I mean, there's always going to be personalities and beefs and stuff. And I mean, honestly, to a degree, there's some amount of like wrestling drama where there are people that like almost want to be heels on purpose. Like there's some people that would like attention and will act out to get that. And it's okay if I'm the villain. Um, but yeah, mo most people uh, generally get along uh, more, more than anything. Recently, a lot of our drama has been with Tableau's uh, parent company, Salesforce, where a few months ago, there was sort of a mass social blow up where just people kind of had been saying a lot of stuff in private, like, how come they don't talk about this? Where's the product going? And everyone just had enough and just said it all at once on social media. Mm, okay. And, and yeah. it's like it was yeah. this it's like it was like Sunday, bloody Sunday. And all of a sudden, like. Mark Benioff, a, you know, a, a guy that's worth $10 billion yeah. starts dropping into all of our DMs, asking us to text him and stuff. And we're like, <laughs> what, what's happening? Like, this guy owns time. Like, this right, is, right. you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're really interested in, you know, remedying that. Like, obviously, they don't want people going, going ham on social media, like making them look bad. But also, they recognize that the people that are, are the ones that are their super promoters. And yeah. they're the last people that they want to piss off. So they want to yeah. understand like why we're frustrated and you know work on that. And it seems like they're really dedicated to doing that. So yeah, long story short, yes. To to both your questions, either or yes. Um, I appreciate that. You know, you said any group of appreciable size will sort of 
get those sort of natural conflicts and dynamics going on. But the thing about people who just want to be heels, to me, that's like, oh, any internet group of any appreciable size like that, that's just a thing that, and I, I feel like that's a thing that is mostly specific to groups that are based in the internet. It's a lot hard, like you'll see that in real life, but man, the internet really gives, has given so much uh, oxygen and, and exposure to people who, who just want to be jerks because they think it's fun. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great call out. And, you know, it, it makes me think too, like, yeah, as we think about how different communities like interact with each other and what those norms are too, like Zach and I are kind of distinct within the Tableau community uh, mm -hmm. in that, you know, we're both people who have like kind of tried to push boundaries and like reach out to people in communities that haven't been reached before. And like one of the ways we've both done that is we've been like, hey, we, we made this like pop culture related you know, data project, let's, let's put this on Reddit and see if it gets any traction. And, you know, both of us have, have had some success with that. You know, I, I, I don't love the term viral, but like we, you know, we both have pro had projects that like really got picked up and, you know, kind of took on a life of their own. Um, but it is amazing, like along with that. Yeah. You add in the, you add in the anonymity of Reddit. Cause like one of the things with, you know, the Tableau community is like people are usually, you know, you're, you're on Twitter, you're posting as yourself, you know, yeah. we all love this, but like, there's a career development aspect too, sure. you know, so everyone's, you know, you're, you're not going to hide who you are, you know, you're going to, you're going to put your best foot forward. Uh, you, you go on Reddit and the exact same projects are getting posted, but you hide that feedback behind a username and oh my goodness, like, <laughs> I, I, it's like, it's like there's this sweet spot when you post a project, you're like, okay, if this gets like a, a couple thousand upvotes, cool, we're, we're pretty good. Like this resonated with people and I'm not going to have any problems. It starts creeping up to 5,000, 10,000 and you're like, you're like I'm going to turn don't off, even look. like, I'm going to turn off. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. turn off my direct messages for a yeah. while. Like I'm yeah. going to get some hateful, hateful stuff because I had a graph get a lot of upvotes and uh, yeah. So, what a, what a normal what a normal sentence to utter. Well, and yeah, Bo, right. Bo is the king of virality on Reddit. Really? So he's had like a dozen like go mega viral like forty thousand upvotes. I've had like five or something. So it's like it's I can't pin put my finger on what makes it happen. Like sometimes yeah. I'm like this one's gonna do it, and I get like two, yeah. like or I like yeah. negative yeah. one. But like the crazy thing is when something does go viral, what happens very quickly is. You've got this crowdsource component where when you have thousands of eyes on something, they start to see all the cracks that you would never mm -hmm. notice because yep. you only have so much capability. Yep. So I did this analysis of the different streaming services and which ones had the worst shows based on like IMDb ratings. And like um, Amazon was coming in last, like they've got crap content. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. they had this whole tier at the bottom of, of shows that were like barely skimming the absolute lowest ratings. And some dude like cracked open this data set of like hundreds of thousands of shows and started looking up every single one of them individually on IMDb, which yeah. no sane person does. You right, know, no one has right. time for that. Right. And he's like, like, he sends me this like really angry, like, yo, bro, next time, maybe check your data. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't make it like. But yeah, it, it's, it's like that, that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's really interesting. And you, you like if someone were to interact with you on something like uh, LinkedIn or Twitter, like they wouldn't say it like, Oh, Hey, I found this. You might want to check yeah. that out. But it's like, yeah, you on Reddit. It's like certain social media platforms are like a combat sport. And I had someone yeah, on like Twitter sure. the other day, I was making fun of like the, uh, the, the blue check apocalypse or whatever, you know, it's like, how everyone's just melting down. Yeah. And uh, someone responds to me like, 
so what, bro? You think it's funny that uh, they would lie and say that people paid for these check marks? I'm like, and I'm just like, I'm like, like, dude, like, I'm not gonna fight with. Like, I'm just like, right. you know, mute. Like, I'm I'm not responding to that, man. Like, I'm not here for this. I'm here to have right. fun. Also, also, yeah, I do think that's kind of funny, actually. If we're being honest, <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, the blue check thing is hysterical to me, and this is why. Like, all like you know, okay, like first of all, if we're gonna address the security concern, like how will people know it's me? Like, no one cared about anyone with less than a hundred thousand followers being impersonated. Yes, like right. you know, Stephen King's not like you know that that single mother in Ohio, like with twelve followers. <laughs> like, what if someone sets up like a, a spam yeah, account yeah, and mocks yeah. her? Like, he doesn't yeah. care about that. It's like this was just sort of like an opportunistic. I mean, I'm sure they're pissed, but it's like it's so hilarious to blue checks were clearly like a sign of cred. And in some forms, tacit endorsement and others like actual like, hey, you're a news outlet or whatever. And then they go away. And then it's like you get them back. And all of a sudden it's like, you cannot give me. I refuse to accept <laughs> this. And it's it's like I, I don't even it's it's like I, I talk about my dad and my dad wouldn't let me buy DVDs. Yeah. So like the unhealthy response to that is I'm an adult now. I'm going to buy every single DVD <laughs> I can because you would not let me. Whereas like the the real adult answer is, you know, let me think about my relationship with DVDs. Like, is my dad controlling this? Like, what's the you know, what's the sort what's of motivating like, me here? Yeah, right. And it's like they're just sort of like reacting to everything instead of like, OK, you may maybe I'll log off for a day and come back. <laughs> Impossible. We'll never log off. That's the one rule. <laughs> so ryan your podcast are going on what like 10 years now something ridiculous like that somebody yeah somebody said uh recently we either just crossed or are about to cross a decade which is a horrifying horrifying thing to think about There's what have you done so with much... your life i've i've wasted it on audio nonsense frank like if i if i just sat down and i just thought about just the recorded time that I've spent doing that, like I could have gotten an entirely different degree. I could have learned a new language. I could have like started a small business. Like who knows what I could have done, but instead I decided to podcast about nothing because I'm an idiot. Well, it's a podcast that's ostensibly about college football, right? Yeah, right, right. The tagline is it's the only college football podcast, um, which is a lie in multiple directions, I would say. I think that's a safe assumption. <laughs> but like, what what keeps you going? Like at this point, so you obviously started this thing. You were having fun with your friends, you know. Yeah. There, there's no clear profit motive in podcasting. Yes. I, I mean, eventually there can be if you you know get enough an audience. At this point, you've had millions of listens. You have you have by all accounts a successful podcast, lots of five star reviews. What keeps you going? Like, why continue? And I'm not saying this to tear you down. Like, I'm not trying yeah. to intentionally shatter your podcast. Right. You're not you're not trying to trigger an existential crisis. If here, that happens, that's a, <laughs> okay. that's a that's benefit. good audio for you. So I don't. Right. You. Um, it's a win. Um, it is. It is exactly the same thing that led to us starting the podcast. It is just fun to goof around with people that I think are very smart and I think are very funny and that I enjoy talking to in this setting with these sort of like very loose parameters. And like, <clears throat> it, it sounds silly to say at this point for a show that we have done for this long that now has like found a little bit of commercial legs under it or whatever. Um, but I very frequently forget 
in the middle of recording that this is a thing other people will hear. It mostly is just <laughs> like a stupid conversation we're having amongst ourselves. And I think we are pretty good at this point at like, it's it's relatively rare that we hit, get to the end and we're like, oh, we got to go back and delete this thing. Like that's just, we, we, we went too far. But, so so we have like a good spidey sense of, or of sorts that sort of tells us like, okay, stay within these parameters. Um, but yeah, it's just still fun to do. And like the fact that it happens to be uh, a thing that other people enjoy is great, but I am like pretty confident we would still do it even if it was just like, yep, we, you know, a couple hundred people listen to it and most of them don't like it that much, but we're still having a good time. Is there any truth to the rumors that either Don Lemon or Tucker Carlson will be joining in the near future? I, I, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine which of them would be worse. Nate Silver's up for grabs too. Like, Nate I mean, Sil- he's the numbers Nate guy. Silver would but... also have a terrible time on the podcast. It's too unfair. You know, Zach, the, the, the thing is, though, you know, you said we're going from Ryan and then you're going to have Benny off on next. Yeah, so yeah. clearly you need to have the Lemon Carlson double interview the week. <laughs> get that love, and then we're going to just uh, take this to it. Take this to a new level. Yeah, I think that'd be spectacular. Like, I think at a certain <laughs> point, like they would just get like, like when your kids get overly tired. And they're just like, you want a cup of water? They're like, yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. I think I think I could get them to that point. And um, it, yeah, there was in the in the <clears throat> well, at this point now, it's like this must have been in 2019, 2019 ish. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, somebody had sort of tangentially reached out and they were like, hey, like Pete Buttigieg is just sort of getting started with his presidential campaign and is trying to sort of like get his name out there and like. I don't know. Would you be interested in having him on? And we sort of thought about it. We're like, well, what are we going to talk to this guy about? Like, that just feels weird. This isn't what we we want to do. And in retrospect, I'm like, oh, we definitely should have had Mayor Pete on and just made him uncomfortable the whole time. Like, I think that that is the that is the missed opportunity we had for sure. So yeah, I think you should get, I think you should get Don Lemon on. I think you should ask him a ton of tough questions about <clears throat> data sets and. Uh, you know his 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 favorite like Don Lemon top five tableaus <laughs> like let's hear him <laughs> just like really put him outside of his comfort element as 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 aggressively as possible. I I just love the idea that like on air personalities are considered any source of anything. Like yeah, like these people aren't like hitting the pavement. Like they're just no. fed stuff by producers. Like they're they're personalities. It's it's the it's the strangest thing that we would look at anyone that's on a news station like. A person like they're a legit journalist like they're out there like, <laughs> like just give it like okay next up you're talking about this like oh great what do i think right, about that right. this is what you think wonderful right right yes like i i think it is probably a vestige of that distinction probably wasn't as clear i don't know like 50 years ago or something where you're like oh, okay people who have worked their way up like the peter jenningses of the world you're like they have worked their way up and they have like been a journalist for a long time they're probably in the meetings a certain way this that and the other but it does sort of feel like it has drifted to the to a point where it's like there's the people who go out and find the information and do the do the work and the people who who say the words on television i'm trying to figure the point at which i became skeptical of news sources and i think it was about 12 years ago in memphis we had like a flood so we're right in the mississippi river and i used to work downtown at saint jude and we're like foolishly close to the river like it 
you know, I mean, the city was built around uh, con- commerce or whatever. So um, the river's going to flood. And for whatever reason, whoever built the building we were in, put the power sources in a basement. We have no basements in our entire metropolitan area, but this like 12 story building had a basement. Um, so they built a berm around the building. They just built like a 10 foot rock and mud wall around it to prevent this from happening. And I remember um, like the national news sources were being like, Memphis is underwater, like it's flooding. And I'm seeing like these national news sources cover this. And one day at lunch, I go out and I just drive down next to the river to take a look. And there was this one set of stairs that was partially flooded, descending down into the river. And there were like 10 different newscasters and waiters <laughs> lined up to walk down and film their spots in that area. And it's like, like they're going to Ruby Falls or something. It's it's insane. I'm like, that's why that's why I'm just skeptical of everything now, because like, yeah, you're definitely standing in water. This is definitely a thing. Now, you're literally standing in the Mississippi River like you're not in like a submerged. This isn't Atlantis. But, you know, yeah, you, it is wet there. You're right. You know, Zach, this does uh, this does make me think, too. Do you remember uh, you may have covered this on, on the podcast before, but uh, this actually connects to a Tableau conference uh, media controversy that uh, happened back in uh, in 2016. Um, so uh, so the conference used to be in the fall. Uh, so so we were down here in in Austin in November of 2016 and Tableau, the Tableau conference happened to uh, overlap with the 2016 election. Uh, the the presidential election, which was um, rather you know uh, controversial, a lot of yeah. a lot of strong reactions uh, to what was happening that night. And um, shortly thereafter, I think that I think the next morning um, there was a post that went massively viral on Twitter about um, you know these these anti-Trump protests that are happening after this election. And um, this went all over the place, like all over the place on the Internet, picked up in the national news, like a big time story. Like, look, they are busing in protesters. Look at all the buses. And the true story of what happened here is that those were the Tableau conference buses and they were shuttling us <laughs> from, like one conference area in Austin, like across the river to the other conference area. Um, but this this happened. This was a, this was a, this was a real thing. We were the. Wow. Uh, we were the anti-Trump protesters that made the national news for being bust in by, I'm sure, George Soros, George Soros or whatever yeah. that yeah, was yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that is wow. hilarious. Now, I didn't make it that. That was the year before I started getting involved. But I will tell you my favorite story about that conference. Usually they just choose one singular location. So the Mandalay Bay in Vegas easily accommodates 20,000 or whatever. Yeah. Um, because in Austin, they didn't have like a single venue that could accommodate all that. People were like moving back and forth between venues and a rival company named Domo bought up spaces in the middle and just set up shop with Snoop Dogg. Like they just like, <laughs> yeah. no, like literally Snoop Dogg. They literally brought in Snoop Dogg to tell people like leave Tableau conference, come learn yeah. about this competing business intelligence tool and Snoop Dogg is performing uh it was uh it was it was something else but that is yeah. my th- this is a this is a thing that happens i think at lots of conferences where <clears throat> like most notably south by southwest you know is a big conference in and of itself but it has and i participated in some of them it has all of these like uh i guess you would call them like uh clownfish side things that are not they're not formally part of south by southwest but because they are in austin and they're at the same time they like sort of try to draft off of all of the cred that's happening and they try to like 
be like, oh, it's a big party and, you know, it's very chic and and we're premiering this movie or blah, 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 blah. And it's just very funny to me that like it, you know, you don't see this. It's it's not as if like during Oscar night, there's some sort of like janky other film award going on that's just sort of like yeah this is it's oscar night not here these are not the oscars but yeah it's oscar yeah. night we're very excited <laughs> i uh i i felt this pain myself too i once was going to a banana pudding festival in centerville tennessee and i accidentally ended up at the swap meet at their town square it was a <laughs> le- no look egg and my face were in alignment it was it was very confusing I'm like, where's the banana pudding? Um, the kids were very unhappy. Yeah, um, yeah. We got the banana pudding later, and it was okay. That's Man, it. that is that's one of the most, most like that is a Central Tennessee story right there too. <laughs> like that's the yeah. <laughs> you know, people think about Tennessee. Okay, so people think about Tennessee, and everyone thinks Nashville first because Nashville is now just Hollywood. Um, they'll eventually think about Memphis. Um, usually they think about Pigeon Forge because of three-year Letterman now. Um. But uh, really, Tennessee is just 95% empty space. So I'm at the southernmost tip, and you have to drive three hours through God's country to hit Nashville. And then after that, three more hours to hit Knoxville, which is also in the middle of the mountains. So like to clear one end of the state to another, if you're just hauling, it's like eight and a half to nine hours. And it's like, that's just sort of lost geographically. Although I can't talk, Bo lives in Texas. So whatever, you're just- Oh you're yeah, just... I mean, yeah, nothing can top Texas in that regard. No, I totally I totally hear you. I mean, I, so I grew up in Wisconsin and then, yeah, we've taken like multiple road trips between Austin and Wisconsin, you know, since, since we moved down here. And yeah, I mean, half of that drive is in Texas. Like you are driving for eight hours and you're like, all right, there's Arkansas. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a lot. And I'm in central Texas, like- theoretically like this is the this is the place to to be but uh, yeah no it's uh you hear how big it is and then you start driving through it and you're like oh no this is this is this is like unreasonable (laughs) well i appreciate as as a nashville resident myself i appreciate that the three major cities of tennessee are like siblings that have to be physically separated as much as possible like cannot get too close to one another it's very like to the point that the state see the you know the state emblem is even like reinforcing like hey we are different and you will treat us differently and you will not you will not call us all the same i mean memphis is definitely like the the um woo girl that breaks off a beer bottle and just starts yeah. waving it you know and, and we're down with that that's fine yeah yeah we know I this think, I, I think i think memphis is Memphis is the most fun place to watch other people of the three. <laughs> Nashville is the least fun place to watch other people because you're just like, please go home. Please stop being Nashville here. is where everyone comes to be a gigantic phony. Yes. Not you, Ryan. But I mean, it's <laughs> a little bit me, a little bit me. It's fine. I'm being generous here. I nagged you at the beginning. Like, <laughs> this is where I start winning you back. You know, sure, it's right, and you know, right. but I mean, like, seriously, there is literally no place within 1500 miles where people wear cowboy boots and hats besides Nashville. And they yes. do it unironically. I'm like, yes. what's with the cowboy hats and boots? Like, there's farmland five minutes from me and no one wears cowboy hats or boots. Like, yes, yes. It's, it, this is this is a, a manufactured thing. It it would be as like. Imagine if everybody who went to Las Vegas was like, well, you got to dress like Elvis. 
Like that's just what you do when you're in Las Vegas. You're making me Even, think. And you're like, do the do the do yeah. the do the residents do that? Oh no no no, the residents don't dress like Elvis. Yeah, absolutely not. But if you're a visitor, like that's the fun thing to do. And then you go and then you go to a series of Elvis bars. That's what that's what that's what downtown Nashville has basically become. It's really true. Oh my gosh, you're right. It's it's like it's everyone's just like LARPing, and no one yes. sees it that way. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, we, we do get a lot of that in, in, in Austin, too. You know, you have kind of the telltale, like, uh, yeah, Ryan, I think we we both get to live our lives surrounded by bachelorette parties like 90 yep. percent of the time, um, yes. you know, given our given our cities. And yeah, you, you know, you have the telltale like, oh, there's 10 pink cowboy hats. Well, I know that they are not from here. Uh, they've probably never been here. They've almost definitely never been here before. And uh, uh yeah, but but here they are. They're having a good time. They got a pedal pub. <laughs> this felt like the right idea. Like, great. great. They are here to throw up and get arrested. Yep. Yeah. 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 But not charged. Yeah. Just no. Arrested. No, 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 no. Just arrested. <laughs> There's a distinction. Oh, man. So, I okay. So, I have to say, like, I am not used to being around sports guys. I am I am very much not a sports guy, and that's not an intentional thing, although I did see some of the Grizzlies game last night, and they did not lose to the Lakers. So yeah. that's something like, you know, after successfully losing to the Lakers three times in a row, this time they didn't, uh, which uh, everyone was surprised by here. <laughs> nice. I got to call out too, you know, as a, as a, as a big soccer guy and a, and a big MLS guy, your, uh, your, your Memphis USL team pulled off a big uh, upset in the U S open cup the other night. I don't know if any of those words mean anything to you, but um, it was, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> That's a lot of acronyms there. Actually. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have never been to a Memphis 901 game. I have been, we do actually have an indoor soccer league that just opened. Uh, we have two a men's and a women's team. And they're not bad. Uh, and uh, they've they've Memphis Americans. They're a revival of a franchise from the early 80s. Uh, and the only thing missing is them playing uh, Hulk Hogan's uh, I'm a Real American walk-on music from the early 80s also. <laughs> like, that would be, like, the chef's kiss of bringing this team back. You know, give it time. Probably costs a lot to license that. So, you know. That's fair. They got to get the fans in the door first. I mean, they play T.I. at, like, the, I mean, yeah. the games and stuff. Like, they got music cranking the whole time. Like, it's not... I'm not asking yeah. for much here. As one of the 12 attendees to these games, like I should but, get yeah, to put you're, in. You're, you're, you're basically a majority shareholder at this point. I mean, I feel <laughs> that way. Like I, I take my oldest and we used to go see uh, our hockey team, which we also had for no apparent reason. I mean, like nothing about Memphis sports makes sense. Our team is called the Grizzlies. There's also not a grizzly bear 1500 miles from Memphis yeah. either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or the fact yeah. that Nashville has the Titans, which only makes sense because there's the Parthenon. Uh, but they were formerly the Oilers, um, which probably makes more sense considering the diet. It and at the very least, like <laughs> I appreciate the tone that the Utah Jazz have set, where it was just like we and the Lakers are true. It, it, this is true of the Lakers as well, but it's much funnier with the Jazz, where it's no. just like we move the team and we're not changing the name. We don't care that it doesn't make sense. Like the Grizz, the Grizz are a great example. Like. Yeah, I guess the Grizzlies made sense when they were in Vancouver, even though it was immediately a disaster there. Um, so I, I actually kind of prefer it when a team moves and doesn't bother changing the name. A, I think it antagonizes the old town in a way that I find satisfying. And B, I think the new name frequently is just like Titans. Is, I, I think Titans is a terrible name. I'm like... 
from a historic perspective, I'm like, you picked the losers. You picked like the powerful <laughs> losers. Why would you do that? Because yeah, like you I, say, I, the gods and like like who are we talking? Like that's which true. pantheon? That's a like yeah, is Krishna a, in here? Thing. Like what's yep, what's yep, going? Like yep. it's too much to explain. Yeah. No. I yeah yeah, yeah I just ugh, I don't like it. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think you know. I, I I gotta say too, like it's not a great name. It's not a great logo either. Yes. Like I have to say, within the pantheon of great NFL logos, like everything about the Tennessee Titans kind of screams like. I am a generic sports game. I couldn't get the licensing, but like, we're going to do a red, white, and blue tee. Let's go with Titans. No one's going to be offended by that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It allows us uh, to put like a, a tea looking sword that feels sort of tense. Like that's Tennessee. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a bummer because I think like, so many of the like name brands, long lasting NFL franchises have names that you would never pick now. You would never be like the Steelers. That's what we're going to do. We're going to steel steel working is going to be or the Dolphins. You would never pick like the this this particular sea animal and be like and and teal and orange that's the color scheme and and i think there is a value to picking something that is like way off over here that is different and is at least like distinctive whereas i totally agree bo that like titans just it 100 percent feels like somebody was just like this is what the marketing guys gave us and so we're just gonna go with that but how did that they get the, the, the Tennessee Americans? So. How did they get to that so quickly? But like it took what two years to get to like the Washington Commanders? I mean, Washington football <laughs> team was embarrassing. <laughs> like that was definitely like, you know, you didn't fill out your name tag and it was yes. just like default. But yeah. then like after two years, like we've got it, Commanders. Like you, like you could have picked any animal. Like you could have been the honey badgers, and yeah. I would have been like, it's ironic. Like, sure, why not? You know, I, I mean, I the think, fact that that yeah. like the jazz are where like, it's like there's there's no less jazzy people than Mormons. Like, no, <laughs> no, no offense. Like, sorry, you're you're lovely people. But like no one thinks of Mormons and thinks of jazz. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, have you been out there? Have you been by that arena, too? When I was like long, long ago, when I was maybe okay. like, twelve or something, but I've okay. been to, okay. I've been to Utah enough to have like like I have Utah familiarity enough to know that like yeah, this is the least New Orleans place in the United <laughs> States. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was there a couple of years ago for yeah a di a different data related conference, but yeah, the the you know you see the you see the Malone and Stockton statue, and you're like cool. Then you look around, you're like this is the most sterile place yes. I have yes. ever, ever, yes. ever been. Um, yeah, that, I, I was actually out there for the, uh, um, so the, the like, uh, Qualtrics is headquartered out there, kind of the big, like, survey company. And they're, like, one of the few data-related conferences that actually attempts to exceed Tableau and, like, the ludicrousness of, of what they do. Um, so uh, the the one year I went to that conference, um, the, the speakers included uh magic johnson at a survey conference because why not um we uh uh we had uh lin-manuel miranda speak to us about surveys um 
and then uh the uh the the big party at the end of the conference um which by the way was a two drink maximum and they stopped serving at like seven because this was utah um but uh yeah the big entertainment uh first we all watched tony hawk skate on a half pipe that they had built in the conference (laughs) and then after tony hawk was done skating maroon five took the stage wow surveys this Um, is this is checking so many specific like somebody somebody made an amazing instagram story out of this week yeah (laughs) you you can shoot you can you know exactly what year that happened in based on the people involved (laughs) like that that is a time locked conference like and the level of star effery going on there i mean it's like salesforce definitely like at dreamforce like and now we're gonna have benedict cumberbatch come out and we're just gonna talk with him and it's like it's more of like benedict cumberbatch has no idea what this is he knows you wrote him a check and this is more of a show of like, look, we can get Benedict Cumberbatch. And you're <laughs> like, yes, you can. Look at that. Like, that's that's pretty impressive. And now yeah. the Red Hot Chili Peppers are going to play while mascots dance around them. <laughs> and you're like, I'm really yeah. impressed. Like, I, I did not expect the Red Hot Chili Peppers to sell out this hard, but I'm impressed that you could do it. Yeah. 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 What's funny is I don't think that's hypothetical either. We've seen these bands with the dancing mask on them. It's a, this is a, I'm thinking specifically of when the Foo Fighters did it, but yes, this is a, wasn't it them or anyway? I think they both did it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. So like that, based on the names that you're throwing around here, the money to do, to appear at these must be just great. Must just be amazingly great. I'm trying to sell out my entire life, Ryan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I assume it is Uh, either that or they're major loss leaders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Okay. Zach, I have another question. Shoot. So you're not a sports person, but I expect that if you're part of the data visualization community, you're, you are at least made aware of plenty of, sports versions of your your art totally as somebody who's not into the the core the core uh material what sticks out to you is like oh this is this is when like sports data viz works and this is when it doesn't for you for 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 i think you are a good good test case of somebody who's like i don't come into this with like a ton of advanced knowledge i don't come into this with like a ton of advanced eagerness, like what sort of works and doesn't work in this from your perspective? So I think anything that anyone's doing publicly, the idea behind that is you want someone else to see it and obviously take something in. And it depends on if your audience is kind of preaching to the choir, like, am I doing this for other data analysts or am I doing this for like civilians? And I know what Bo and I typically do is we typically make stuff that we want civilians to find and understand and, and take something out of. So the stories that have really captured my attention that were like sports based were like uh, there's this amazing NBA data set out there uh, where they've got like every single shot geolocated on the court by every player, what type of shot it was, whether it went in, you know, Um, and someone uh, created a really interesting story out of it. And it was like the rise of the step back, like when Mm -hmm. this move started to enter the game. And, you know, they had like timelines that they could actually show on the court where it was happening and actually show player positions over time and then move, you know. And like to me, I was like, OK, like you got me like 
I mean, look, I love a good sparse documentary. I like that way more than I actually like watching the games. I want a story. And the thing for me with most games is like, I don't know the players. I don't know the rivalries. So I don't care enough to be invested in the drama of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. can tell me why, like I'm down. Okay. That makes sense. That, I, that's, that's a very good answer. That's a very good answer. How about um, you, Bo? Like what, what yeah. captures your imagination with sports? I know you do uh, sports visits yourself, but like, what are you looking for in a good sports viz? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think like, honestly, I feel like my answer is not going to be that that much different than yours. And, you know, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a sports guy. I've been you know, I've been into it for a while. But like, ultimately, it's you know, it's about teach me something I didn't know in a way that I can process pretty quickly and turn around and explain to somebody else. And like I can I can send it to my friend who, you know, played football and has never looked at a graph before. But it's going to but it's going to mean, you know, it's going to mean something to him. And, um, you know, I think it's uh um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's beauty in the simplicity. I think, you know, kind of walking people through the story is, um, is, is really crucial. Uh, you know, I think words help with that. I think there don't have to be words either. Like, but yeah, I'm all about simple, clean, but, you know, like you said, Zach, like we've been, we've been to the people who kind of, you know, they're definitely like other people who, who work in this world who make the most like intricate, technically complex things you've never seen or you've ever seen, you know, that's, that's not me and it probably never will be. And so I think it kind of speaks to like, yeah, I, I, I like to make things in that style. I like, I like to see things in that style, but ultimately like, I want to, I want to just, I want to learn something. I want to get a story out of it. And, and, um, and, and yeah, I want to feel like I can show it to someone like Zach, who's, you know, a smart person, but, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't have that interest and, and is going to get hooked. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's interesting too, kind of as we, we like connect with a broader, like global community doing, you know, sports state of his work in particular, um, all of it really, but like, you know, with, there's a, there's an initiative called sports viz Sunday that was like one of the first things that I started getting involved in. And, you know, a lot of the work out of sports viz Sunday now is like based around, you know, London and, you know, um, like the guys who lead that initiative are out of London right now. And so you get a lot of like cool soccer stuff, football, you know, um, that, you know, is going to resonate to kind of a lot of us, but like, then you'll see like cricket projects coming out and things that, you know, I personally, I, I don't know a whole lot about, but um, you know, you still, you still see some really amazing stuff. So yeah, I want a hook. I want some simplicity and like, if it's aesthetically nice, that's great, but like not at the expense of, you know, losing what you're trying to tell people. Mm, okay. And, and you sort of, Zach, you sort of talked about the distinction between making it for the insider crew and making it for civilians. Do you find like, is there, is there sort of a value to the former that helps people get better at the latter? Or are these just two different worlds and they don't really have that much bleed between them? I think it really just depends on where your passion lies, the kind of stuff you want to make. Like uh, we're all doing this because well, it's fun. Like mm-hmm. um, we found a way to get better at our jobs by doing something extra on the side. Like we're not making money off this unless you're moonlighting somewhere, you know, we're doing this because it's like an artistic expression or something like that. So um, if I weren't doing this, I'd be drawing or something, Bo would be right. playing his guitars, you know, he's making shirts. Like I make, you know, pins like we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're creators, like at the end of yeah. the day, like that's what yeah. we like to do. Yeah. So I think for me, like I am not the most technically inclined person. Like to me, uh, Tableau is like a tool. Uh, it's, it's a, I, I call it like my favorite pencil. So like, mm-hmm. 
Um, so for me, I'm looking at what can I make out of this that I think is fun. Um, and for other people, what they think is fun is to make like a technical masterpiece. Like, yeah. look at what I figured out how to do. And it's it's stunning for those of us that know how to use it. Cause we're like, how did you how did you do that? You know, it's really captivating. Um, but it's a different audience, right? Like it's your you're preaching to the choir. And for me, I'm like, well, I like John Wick a lot. Um, and I really wanted to make something uh, with the John Wick movies, but there was no good data sets. So I uh, I watched the first three movies and recorded every time John Wick killed someone, the timestamp, <laughs> what tool he used and who they are, like any reasonable person would. Right. Yeah, right, right, um, right. And then I'm like, I've got this great data set. And what I did is I put it online for anyone to use. I'm like, here you go, because no one else had it. And I made like 10 different things out of it because I was having a good time. And I learned a bunch on the way and I made some fun art for me. And if anyone else liked it, that was wonderful. But if they didn't, that's great, too. And I think uh, I heard a conference talk several years ago by a guy named Mike Cisneros, and he quoted this like Broadway musical called uh, Title of Show. And in it, there's a, uh, a song uh, called like Nine People's Favorite Thing. And the premise is um, whatever you're going to do, like do the thing that you like most and are most invested in and passionate about. And if only nine people like it, but it's their favorite thing, that's way better than having like 500 people like it, but it's like their ninth favorite thing. Like, so yeah, right. do do what you care about and are interested in instead of what you think other people are expecting you to do or want you to do. And you will find your audience. I think that is like really smart and really uh, <clears throat> insightful advice for anybody in any creative field, really. I, uh, you know, my background is not in what you guys do, but I've done a lot of sports video work. And people who have asked me sort of like, you know, what do you think is like the most important thing? You can find people with technical skill. You can find people who like know the games super well. You can find former athletes. You can find people who can do analytics. But like ultimately, the thing that separates, in my mind, content that works from content that doesn't is enthusiasm and like enthusiasm is the thing i've never seen someone successfully fake like even mm -hmm. even like the most polished and most experienced uh, uh you know commentators on tv if you put them into a sport that they don't know and they're not interested in it feels flat and it feels fake and it has no chemistry and it like has not, you're like, I know these guys, they're very funny if they're talking about the NBA or the NFL or whatever. And if you like force them to do like Olympics coverage or something, you're just like, this doesn't work at all. And I would much rather have the former downhill skier who nobody's ever heard of, but is just like so geeked to talk to you about the super G and what it is and why it's so crazy or whatever. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, I agree like yeah it's so important in any field and you know I, I think it's also kind of important to just like have that consistent conversation with yourself too to like keep figuring out what, what am I into like you know Zach like you asked earlier you know yes Ryan what keeps him going I'm like yeah we, we all got to ask ourselves that constantly to to you know decide if it's if it's time to time to pivot and like just just try something else because yeah you know there there are different types of like recognition that we can get within you know the data visualization community and like you know for a while I, I was making stuff that was you know going really viral on reddit and then you know ultimately that like temporarily became my identity and it was like oh that's the guy who like does all those reddit posts and and then and then you know it eventually kind of be became the kind of thing where like there was pressure associated with it it wasn't it, you know it stopped being fun it was like I, I post a project and it doesn't go viral and I'm like 
well, I guess I'm just no good anymore. And like, you know, obviously that's not, it's not true, but you know, these are the, these are the narratives that like, you know, when we're feeling down, we, we, we create these narratives for, for ourselves. And like, you know, for, for me, I've uh, pivoted really heavily away from like the Reddit stuff. And um, I just, one year I just decided I was going to buy a screen printing press and set it up in my garage. And like for, for a little over a year now, like I've just, just been screen printing and I've been like trying to figure out how do I take a Tableau project burn a screen and make posters out of it and like you know is the audience a little bit smaller like yeah absolutely it's not you know it's those those things aren't going number one on reddit but um i'm I'm having fun and it just feels it feels more authentic it was you know i'm I'm speaking at tableau conference about like how that all works and i'm just um i'm really excited to talk about it and a lot more than i would be to be like how do you make something that's gonna go viral because like you know whatever at the at the end of the day like yeah, you know, I've, I'm a yeah, I'm a big soccer guy. I have, you know, I, I live right by the Austin FC stadium. I have season tickets, and so I've been like using Tableau to make like screen printed posters, just with like data driven, you know, summaries of what they've done. And for me, it's cool to be like, I'm just gonna post on Twitter, like, hey, I've got some Austin FC posters. You know, who who wants one? And like, you know, those uh, those guys who you know you 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 turn on a match and you know you see our supporters section full of like drunk people screaming and dancing and throwing stuff everywhere. And like those guys, those guys want my posters. And mm-hmm. like, I think it's awesome. And like, they're, they're, they're up in the team's front office. And like, it was a big, like, it was a big pivot to, to be like, I'm, I'm not really driven anymore by like, how many likes can I get? I right. just have to just do something that feels right. And um, yeah, you know, I think we've all kind of had, had those pivots like professionally, personally, and, and yeah. Anyway. Um, I have one more question if I'm allowed. Yeah, this is for both of you, and you can take them in either order you want. And maybe this goes nowhere, but whatever, we're gonna try it. <laughs> is there is there a Viz project that you just couldn't crack? That you were like, I had it, and I know what I wanted it to be, and I just never got it to where I wanted it to be. And it just and you know, it doesn't have to haunt you. It doesn't have to be like this terrible thing that got away. But do you have one in mind that you're just like, yep, I just never got it where I wanted it to go. You go first, Bo. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally have one. So, um, and it's got a college football connection too. So, um, bringing it, bringing it back around. But, um, yeah. So, um, um, yeah. So, I grew up in Wisconsin, but my, my family's originally from um, Ann Arbor, and so I, you know, I, gr- I grew up as a Michigan fan, and I've like, I've always enjoyed like when I first started doing any creative data visualization. Like the first thing I ever posted online, which three people saw in like 2015, was like using data from Michigan football and like the history of the team and um and I've revisited that data set for like the eight years since to like try to try to get new stuff out of it and it's it's simple there's not you know there's not a whole lot to it I'm just kind of using like their game by game history for you know the the hundred and some years that they've been playing but um you know I've taken I've taken a few different swings at it you know my first one was like pretty simple bar graphs um and then I went to uh I went to Tableau conference a few years ago and one of the keynote speakers uh, was a woman named Georgia Luffy, who's like a very famous data visualization designer and does a lot of stuff that is like kind of like hand drawn or at least hand drawn inspired and like truly amazing work. And so I thought like, I'm going to take football data, but I'm going to do it in this style. And so like, I put out a couple projects like that. And then like, um, and, and I know the, uh, I know the MGO blog guys a little bit, yeah. Seth and Brian and um, yeah, like, Occasionally I get Tableau questions from Seth. So there's your, you know, connection back to that world. But um, 
uh yeah but then i was like you know like they they posted some of my stuff on the blog before and i was like how do i redo this like it's gonna work for that audience and um but yeah you know i kind of i i have them up on my screen right now and i'm like i don't love i don't love any of these and like that's my that's my like that's my white whale data set yeah. where i'm like i keep going back to it and it's it's simple it's a story i want to tell i i should know how to tell it really well um but yeah i just can't get there interesting so I've got a bunch, but I'd say the best example is at one point I decided to try to do like a choose your own adventure where it's mm. like a narrative and you had different options and you had to actually look at the stuff on the page in order to make your choices. And at the end of the day, it was just too much work. I was just looking mm -hmm. at him like this, it's, it's not worth the time. And that's really the story of a lot of my stuff where I realized I have an attention span of about three hours for a personal project. And Bo and I both do have a similar aesthetic and we do either a lot of one chart stuff or stuff where it's like, it's called small multiples where it's the same chart repeated. Um, mm -hmm. And we do a lot of that. Um, and a lot of that's based on, you know, that my three hour time limit and attention span, but also I, I've decided like, instead of trying to give you a whole bunch of information and let you try to find the story, I'm going to pick one story and I'm going to tell you that story. Um, and honestly, the idea of quitting doing something that's not serving you is a big part of my conference presentation. Like Bo was talking about how he was, you know, really caught up in like sort of the virality of Reddit and trying to chase that dragon and everything. For me, I used to do a lot of community exercises where there were just sort of random data sets and stuff. And not a lot of these really caught my imagination. So I didn't make stuff that was very good out of them. I was bored doing them. And I tried to amuse myself in ways that made everything worse instead of actually going down and hunting down stuff I wanted to work on, like recording all of John Wick's headshots, um, <laughs> you know? So, but like recognizing the idea of sunk cost, like just because I've been doing it this way, doesn't mean I have to keep doing this way. And right. it doesn't mean that it didn't deliver me value or whatever at the time. It just means like, what am I opting out of by continuing to do what I'm doing right now that could be better? If there's something that could better serve me, it's you're, you're wasting your time not quitting. Like we just have created around that word, like such a stigma with the idea of you giving up. And it's like, you're not giving up, you're making a choice. Like continuing to do what you're doing just for the sake of doing it. Um, that's a choice also. Yeah, I mean, opportunity cost is a very real thing. And and I think you're right. I think it can be especially hard for people in creative fields because most people who are in this in whatever in whatever angle they're in, like there's a little bit of obsessiveness to it. And so like I think for a lot of people it can be hard to maybe have the recognition that you're talking about to sort of say like I am spinning my wheels. I am not making progress on this. And I know there are other things. Because the other thing is, I am definitely the kind of person who I will sometimes cling to a project because I'm like, I don't know what the next thing is. And I'm afraid of that. I would rather sort of stew in the frustration of the known than go venture out into the unknown. Even though, you know, like, I know at this point that inspiration and new ideas they don't run out they don't just you don't just like run out of them but there's still that little bit of fear sometimes where you, when you finish something or when you're getting close to the end of something where you're like i don't have the next thing and therefore maybe i never will again and i don't like that feeling Bo and i have both been nodding this entire time yeah that's that's one of the truest <laughs> truest uh, feelings about anyone that does anything creative like 
you'll do something and then it's done. Like you, you have, you've purged this idea. You've satisfied this. Your head is empty for however long. And, and you're like, was that it? Like, am I, am I, am I, am I out of idea? And it's really like having that, that comfort and also being able to look back and say like, no, like, look at, look at my history. Look what I've done. And be like, oh, yeah, like I felt like this a hundred times before the next thing will come. Just yeah. embrace the process, be patient and feel free to be creative. So, Ryan, before we start to wrap up, I have one question for you. Yeah. So you're on this because you put out a call saying <laughs> I want to appear on other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, you have a massively successful podcast. Why are you slumming it? What's the deal, man? Um. So first of all, I'm not slumming it. Everybody who is having me on is slumming it because you could be having guests who know what they're talking about are experienced in the relevant field, uh, have a more audio friendly voice than I, like I can go on. <laughs> so first of all, I want to say that I appreciate you, you guys for having me on all the other podcasts that have had me on, like genuinely and truly, it's been a lot of fun and I don't, you know, whether they're big podcasts, small podcasts, normal podcasts, weird, there are no normal podcasts they are only weird ones, but, um, I, I guess, like, I like the social acts aspect of this. Like, I like that for me, in a different life, I was an attorney. And one of the things I liked about being an attorney was that you kind of get to uh, do, like, tasting tours of different industries. Like, at one point, I had to go to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, to uh, help supervise an inspection of an ethanol uh, facility. And I don't like I was an English major. I don't know shit about making ethanol, but by virtue of having this job, I got to like have a crash course on it. I I certainly wouldn't put me in charge of anything, but it was a good way to sort of like learn about new places and new new parts of the world that you wouldn't otherwise. And in doing this, like I have gotten to I I just going around my normal life, I'm not going to get to ask questions about, you know, to accomplished accomplished data viz people about like what is your process like and you know what do you do here i was on a podcast recently where that's just about frankenstein movies and so we watched this like 60s italian uh movie called lady frankenstein and like i wouldn't watch that movie otherwise and i wouldn't have a conversation about it so i i i like the spontaneity that this is created it is not bo like i don't want to suggest like oh i had a big plan and i really like knew what i was doing here but I like being a guest on a podcast because ultimately you two have to figure out what this show is and you have to think about like, what's this episode? What's the next episode? What are all the like projects of it? And I get the pleasure of just sort of like coming to your house and being like, whoa, this is a great house you have. Like, tell me about it. I, but I don't have to maintain it. I don't, I'm not responsible for paying the mortgage. I just get to come visit. And that's sort of like what this project has been for me. Well, this has been delightful for me because Bo handled the part I hate the most, which is booking, <laughs> um, which I compare to uh, just a constant cycle of dating where you're yes. like, you're kind of, you know, you're checking somebody and you're like, I don't know, should I ask? Like, yes. and then you ask, yes. hey, you want to come on my podcast? They're like, yes. oh, sure. When? You're like, I don't know, like, when yes. are they available? They available? <laughs> you know? And then you have to start the scheduling and then their kids are sick for weeks. Now I'm, I'm yes. busting jobs. Yes. But uh, <laughs> I say all that to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, for appearing. And with that, let's start wrapping up, gentlemen. Bo, where can people find you, sir? 
Yeah. Um, well, first off, I'll, I'll, I'll have to say that if you're coming to Tableau Conference, which if you're listening to this podcast, there's a fairly high chance you are. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be presenting the first day uh, talking about using Tableau to create data art and showing demos of the screen printing process. I'll have uh, I'll have some prints to give away as well. So um, but even if you can't make it to the session, please, uh, please come say hi. I love meeting new people and, you know, helping welcome new folks to the community. So I'll be there. Uh, if you're looking for me online, I am on Twitter at BoNosData. And uh, otherwise, yeah, please, uh, please feel free to reach out. Um, always, always happy to help with whatever I can. And uh, yeah. Ryan, where are you at? Uh, I am at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, I'm, as, as mentioned, touring random podcasts. So if I appear on another show that you listen to uh, against your wishes, I apologize ahead of time. Indeed. Anyway, thank you very much, fellas. It has been a delight. Uh, Bo, see you in a couple weeks. Ryan, probably not not see you again. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm going to show up at a Tableau conference just to mess with you now. Oh, we'll God, see. no. You'll see. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you could get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one you won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.